I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta-Rank College Football Statistical Model. This is a sharp college football podcast. We are in week two already. Woo! Already. Got those juices flowing. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We had an amazing Week one all around, not necessarily for the Pac-12, not necessarily for the Pac-12, but we're going to break down every game from week one. We're going to look into week two and then join me as always is Mr. Rob Barron from Sharp College Football. What's going on, Rob? Not much. I'm, I'm excited. Football, like real football is back. Like we're almost through week one. Clemson and Georgia Tech are playing as we speak. There were so many games that were just interesting. I, I, I'm trying to think back because like oftentimes in week one, you get like one or two uh, interesting games. And then you get like the hipster games, like Stanford against Kansas state. And you're just kind of like, wow, I didn't ever think those two teams would play each other. And I'm, I'm quite intrigued, but this last week, I mean, Utah, Florida, Oregon, Georgia, we'll get to that game. We'll get to that game. <laughs> you know, you had all these crazy games go across the, the week. What stood out for you nationally? I mean, I think what stood out nationally was the one Ohio state's defense looks really good. And I, yeah, their offense didn't look as expected, but I, I think Ryan Day should get the benefit of the doubt on the offensive side. And then, yeah, like Bama, I mean, man, you like talk about like Utah state went from playing UConn last week to Bama this week. Like, that is a, that is a major shift, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, but Bama looked really good. uh, Of course. And we'll cover it. Like Georgia looked really, really good. You know, but like, I I think it gets, I think it's going to get really, really muddy and messy after that because like if you looked at like you know if you start thinking through like who the potential teams are like it might be tennessee and kentucky like it might come down to them for like who's the third best team in the sec this season you know it it didn't like a&m didn't look great <laughs> you know oh my goodness yeah they, they're still trying to figure out like who their quarterback is and uh yeah for for me week week two's always my most worrisome week because you don't have enough data, right, to 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 formulate what you, what these teams will be over time, and there is this big uh, looming overreaction cloud that kind of hangs over that second week where you're looking at teams and you're going, "All right, Colorado for a good example, right? They gave up 250 yards on the ground to TCU." I'm yeah. assuming, and we'll get into this. Like now, they got to go play Air Force in the triple option. So in Oof. my mind, I'm immediately like, they are going to get their heads handed to them, and and, and I'm and, and that's what I'm going to pick. But I'm picking this knowing in my head it is possible that I'm overreacting to what I saw in that Week One game. I don't think oh, yeah. so. I don't uh. think so with Colorado. But you know, like, do you ever run into that kind of stuff where you that second week is just always so dangerous because you could look and go, wow, that team is awesome. Like USC is awesome. They beat the tar out of Rice. But it's USC, 
And, you know, if you're not careful and if you don't know the history of these teams and kind of like what they bring to the table, there, there really is a big danger of jumping in with both feet when, when you don't quite know what these teams are yet. Right. I mean, and that's where you should look like people should look through and see. I mean, look, there's there's going to be week one wackiness in there. You know, USC is an excellent example. You're not you're not always going to get three pick sixes in a game like yeah. you shouldn't count on that. So, um, but what you should what you should look for is you should look for things that help confirm things that you already know. Right. Like. You know, I mean, it's only the things like, like we know things about some of these teams. It's when we see things and we're like, oh, well, that doesn't quite match up to what we were expecting. Right. Like that's when you have to kind of come back and say, all right, like, what do we have here? Right. You know, and, and should we look at it? I would also look at, I mean, like I do, like I tell people to do any week, like look at turnovers, right? Like turnovers are going to be instances where, I mean, in particular, if you're driving and you give the ball up, that's wiping points off the board more often than not. Um, or like if you're not driving, that means you're probably on your own side of the field and you just gifted the other team really good field position. That kind of stuff matters and can turn games. So look for that kind of stuff. I mean, like the, the silly stuff, right? Of like, I mean, Ellis, like, is LSU going to muff two punts in a game, you know, this season? Like, probably not. Like, that's really unlikely to happen, you know? <laughs> That game was so freaking wild. Like I, th- this, I, and I say this often. Like, college sport isn't the the greatest sport, but it's the best sport, right? Like where yeah. you know you don't have the best athletes in the world, and that's what makes the sport so fun. Where like you have these muff punts and missed field goals at the end of that. That game was just absolutely bonkers. One of the things you know, last big picture thing, and, and to narrow it down to the Pac-12, particularly in Week One, what I try to do is take a step back and look at performances where I'm just going to put a little flag on, on, on what I saw on the box score. Uh, and I, and I watched almost all of these games. So it's not like I'm just looking at the box score. It's more, Hmm. Like, so for example, right. Colorado giving up 275 rushing yards to TCU, a team that really prides itself on passing. <laughs> Sonny Dykes isn't, isn't known for his, is like ginormous rushing attack. That is a flag for me because I want to see, what Colorado does against Air Force. And if Air Force runs for 450 yards, which is quite possible, like, you know, like now, now we have, we're starting. Daniels to is healthy. That was like our only question coming into this year because he had off season surgery and the, the coach kind of like hinted that he might not be available for the first couple of games. And lo and behold, he absolutely is. <laughs> Jokes on you, Carl Durrell. Um, <laughs> yeah. n- another one, Oregon, gave up like 450 passing yards or some bonkers number to Georgia. I I was watching, like I watched that game very closely and I was, and look, I know it's Georgia, right? Elite talent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Man, them wide receivers were, (laughs) and the tight ends, obviously, you know, to be fair, but, but that secondary for, for Oregon, that was one of the question marks we had coming in. And yes, they played one of the best teams in the country, but they certainly didn't play like they belonged on that field with them. I'm, I'm interested in that. You know what? Like, Not only that, but like Georgia, Georgia didn't lean into running the football very much. But if you look at the guys that were getting the like, you know, like the the you know quite a bit of the you know the carries, you know, and they didn't like they spread the ball around certainly. But you know, like Georgia averaged five point three. <laughs> for carry like Georgia could have run the ball in that game too. Oh man, I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about it. Like just to dig into that game uh, here, here are a couple other things on my end though. Like as I was looking through these, so Utah 
giving up 275 yards to this is the second mobile quarterback now like that I've seen so far that's torched that team. So I'm just I'm I'm, yeah. flagging, I'm putting that back in back in the back of my mind. Like I thought Utah played well against Florida, but and and I know I know it's right. Anthony Richardson is the, is that the Florida guy? I forget his name. Um, yeah. Anyway, that like that guy and Jalen Hall got what they needed almost every time, and I'm just right. I'm just keeping an eye on that. And then I, I thought Cal giving up 400 yards to UC Davis was a bit much. <laughs> that that worries me. You think? <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> So just now to their credit, to their credit, they cut, they won and covered that spread. And I thought it was going to come out at 21 and I was going to jump all over UC Davis and to Cal's credit, they, 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 they gave up that touchdown early. They almost got outgained. Like those are important things to look at. Like by the by, right? Like also look, cause like, look, like, Teams are going to screw up, particularly early in the season. They're not going to be able to finish drives, that kind of thing, right? Like somebody might just have a bad day at the office overall, like putting points on the board. But like keep an eye on like if teams are getting yards put up on them, right? Like if somebody's like, oh my gosh, like look at our growth defensive performance. Like if you give up 387 yards and that game was not in garbage time, for a, you know, a good chunk of it, right? Like, yeah. that was, so like, if you're giving up that kind of stuff, like that's a that's a big question mark. I mean, giving up 145 rushing, 242 in the air to to a, an FCS team, not not great, Cal. <laughs> not, not good. Uh, with that said, Rob, like, are there any other general thoughts, general ideas you had um, in the Pac-12 before we dive into the games uh, specifically? I mean, like I, I think, and, and look, like Colorado's own beat writer for the Denver Post brought this up. Like when things got out of hand in that second half, like that team's body language wasn't great on the sideline. Mm. And I don't want to get too much into like, like you know, like <laughs> reading people's facial expressions. But I mean, that's I mean the, the the big concern I think that everyone has about Colorado coming into this season, particularly given that like. They're they 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 play eleven power five opponents and their one non power five opponent is Air Force, <laughs> who might be <laughs> might be the best group of five team in the country this year. Um, not great, right? Like it, yeah. this could be this could be really tough. Um, I mean, I look and I think our the other big takeaway is uh, I mean, it, it has it has to be Arizona. It just has to be like. That like people around the country said that I mean and and you know whether it was Spencer Hall to you know like other you know national football writers there's like this most surprising result from Saturday was Arizona whipping San Diego State and it wasn't a fluke if you open it with the box score that wasn't a fluke no they straight up beat them and and it was it was fun and it like it. It's just it just knowing where this program was a few years ago, and I love this. Like I I I had the same feeling about Colorado in that COVID year. I'm like, oh snap! Like they're actually putting these right. together. So so I have that same like exuberance when Arizona dropped 38 points on a San Diego State defense that's supposed to be pretty darn good. And when right. you take a look at those teams and you look at Delora and. I like look again in the last episodes. I I had Delora as like the third best quarterback in the Pac-12. That's you did. Probably... You were far and you were right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's possible that that's the case, but I want to see a little bit more. But I think the most important part is that Arizona can move that football uh, finally, and that right. will make that team fun. 
and fun might be 38 to 48 or 52 to 50, but it will be fun. Yeah. And it's nice to have that bottom dweller pop up a little bit and, and make a game of some of these things. So I definitely hear you on that. Um, the last one, though, is, is Wazoo. Oh, Lord really Almighty. Really struggling. Really riding the struggle bus against the Idaho. highly vaunted Idaho Vandals from moscow um look i mean like here's the thing like everyone talked about i mean like the man the man that drove jane delora uh off the palouse you know like in we were i mean maybe i more than you was fairly high on what this offense could be and 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 thought that this could work the import your qb and offensive coordinator from the fcs and see if it works um and a lot of people i think around college football were pretty high on cam ward and uh he wasn't good i mean 24 25 of 40 215 5.44 per that's a pretty rough outing that's for gross. an air raid offense that's really bad now to be fair against they, an fcs goal. <laughs> to be fair there were a couple of fumbles a scoop and score we'll get to that game but i, I hear you too yeah. like i'm super worried we went to that like we're going to the washington state yeah, we are going to see this in person against be, wisconsin it's gonna be a disaster like they could get why this could be georgia oregon all over again just you know like uh you know like the third tier type of of game on that front like the undercard of, of the oregon georgia we'll see i hope that's not the case and and again we always talk about trying not to overreact so rob Let's get into these games. We're going to go through everyone uh, that was played. We're going to look forward to week two, and let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. William Shatner? You want it? Actual gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby, just bust a move. Okay. All right, we're back feels good feels good to be talking real games what i think we're going to do here rob is we're going to go into the results and then we'll break down each team's matchup uh from that result right so uh for example yeah. uh, look oregon fans i'm gonna i'm gonna hold off on you guys i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna hold off on you guys i want to start i want to start with oregon state oregon state 34 boise state 17 this game could yes. have been way closer like way closer than it looked, and look, I I was you mean five turnovers might shoot you in the foot a little bit, dude. Who is it? who is it? Bachmeyer, yeah, he looked awful. Like just he got pulled, and he got pulled. I mean, he's been the guy for like a couple of years. Jack Sears could beat him out. Like, oh, it was bad. I mean, like if you didn't watch this game. Uh, Boise State basically lost this game in the first 10 minutes. Uh, it was multiple interceptions, a fumble. Like, Boise just shot itself in the foot over and over and over. And, like, once that game started, if Chance Nolan is on, it's over. 
It's over. Yeah. And, and he threw for 250. Now he had two picks, but the the thing that was interesting for me about this game was the fact that like he did look more confident. Um, I want to see this this uh, wide receiving core against a better secondary because they look kind of good. And I don't, I just, I don't trust it yet. Right. Like we, how many times have we looked at this wide receiving core and been like, meh, nope. Uh, I, I still think that's the case, but I'm curious what, what you thought about the result here. Yeah. I mean, look, Boise had a decent defense last year, but they weren't good against the pass. They're 27 in beta rank last year overall defensively, but 47 in effective pass. Um, so it is perhaps not, the uh, the best gauge of of where Oregon State's receiving core is, but look, I mean, I think offensively for the Beavs, like you know, look, Andy Avalos, he was a pretty good DC at Oregon. I mean, he was a pretty good DC for Boise State when he was there. Um, they're, they're like, I I think largely this Boise State defense is is going to be as good as some of the other ones you're going to see in the Pac-12. Just maybe not defending the pass. Overall, you got to like what you saw from the Beavs. You know, now they did one thing, like one thing I think to keep an eye on is uh, against this Boise defense, which was very good against the run last year. They did struggle a little bit to run the football comparatively. If you go in and look at where Martinez and Fenwick's yards were, um, they were both below four. Um, And so that's a little bit of a concern because that's certainly more of their bread and butter. But you could all I mean, I, I also think certainly Boise was stacking the box a little bit, basically daring Nolan to beat them. And he did, I mean, he had enough, I mean, he took, he took a lot of shots downfield. He's not the most accurate passer, but it sort of feels like, I mean, look, if he can, if he can do, if he, this is, this is sort of true of of like Jaden, like it's almost like Jaden Daniels and Travis last night, the quarterback for FSU. Like they're not really great, like accurate downfield passers, but anything that they get you downfield is just pure gravy and maybe opens up the offense. And that's what it's going to be like for Nolan, right? Like he, if he can be, if he can be a legitimate threat to hit a, you know, a big pass, maybe 20% of the time, you know, if he takes that shot, like that's something you actually have to respect. Oh, absolutely. And like, and, and as I opened, you know, almost sounded like, you know, Nolan had 450 yards and he didn't, he only had 250, but right. to your point, like almost all of those were explosive passes. Like he had four yeah. pass or three passes that were more than 40 yards. He hit that Luke, Luke Musgrave uh, bomb. And, and then like, basically because this game was over, they could just run the ball. And, and to your point, right? Like Boise's stacking the box and you take a look at you. Go, oh, well, I guess the, the running game wasn't great. I do think that some of that was more just like, Hey y'all, we've won this game. Let's like, let's just kind of keep that clock rolling. Um, so, but, but I, I would expect that running game to be a little bit better. And the fact that Nolan might be able to gun it, if, if teams are stacking the box, that makes this, this Oregon state team a little bit more dangerous than I had anticipated. You know, anything, anything else jump out you in this result before we take a look at their matchup against Fresno state? Cause that's going to be a good one too. I mean, look, they did struggle to contain green as a runner when he came in. Um, and I think you could argue like he was, he was particularly dangerous there. Um, but it's hard to gauge. I mean, look, it's it's hard to gauge at this Boise offense. They weren't great last season. Um, you know, even when Bachmeyer was better than he was, you know, last night he was only they were only at 61 in beta rank last year. Um, Boise's, I mean, Oregon State's clearly going to see some better offenses than that. I just I, I hesitate to come to any conclusions about where this defense is yeah. in a game where they're getting not a great. I mean, they're Boise's got a decent group of five offense, but not a great offense. And they get five turn. I mean, they, there's an immense amount of turnover like there. So, look, I mean, TBD on 
two things. Like one, I want to see Boise be able to run the football against Fresno. And two, we're going to get a much better view of where this defense is. Yeah. If you watch this game and you didn't watch college football, you would have come across been like, wow, that, that secondary just totally revamped for Oregon state. I just think it was bad passes. <laughs> like I just, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't buy that. The secondary is just, uh, you know, guns blazing. They're, they're just going to be um, a stop unit. I am curious what Fresno brings to the table, Rob, when we take a look here, because I think that this could be one of those games where what I saw on the field from Oregon state, like as, as well as they played this, they could have lost this game. If Bachmeyer hadn't like, you know, thrown up all over the place, like the last, you know, the first 20 minutes, I, I think they get a better team that's better coached, right? They get Jeff Tedford. They get um, they get Jake Hayner. What, what, what are we looking at with this Fresno State team? And, and where, are they, where are they strong and where are they weak? So Fresno, Fresno finished last season overall number 45. They were 45 on defense in beta rank. You know, pretty good defense all around. They were at 52 on offense, like, and and far, far better throwing the football. And that was really the Beavs' weakness last year. So, like, and we should really expect that again. Like, they're, the you know, Fresno's going to come in. They're going to look to throw the football around. Um, can the Beavs legitimately slow this, you know, slow this down is a big question. Because I think that's going to be the one that, you know, I mean, and, and Hayner is not, I mean, he's a step above Bachmeyer. Um, but, yeah, can they, can they run the football with any kind of efficiency too. I mean, like that, those, those are, those are my big questions, but look like Fresno's, this is on the road. Fresno, I believe is, is favored in Vegas, you know, in this one, this, this is going to be a really, this is going to be a really good test for where Oregon state is. Um, and, and look like it's a really good, you know, it's a really good, I mean, it's, it's a really good place for them to, to find themselves where they, you know, went in and, and, and won the game, you know, against uh, a, a Boise team that, you know, they weren't, they weren't much of a favorite against, right? But now they get Fresno on the road. You know, I think Vegas opened it as Fresno as a one-point favorite. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see like where's where is Boise's pass defense, right? Like Fresno's not going to test them on the ground much. Yeah. Um, but but you can't come in and just you know hope and pray for five turnovers to kind of drop in your lap. Um, and then like I said, like can they run? Like if they can run, like if if legitimately, like if they can run the football. And Nolan can be like sort of what we saw, which is somewhat dangerous throwing. I think they should be fine. I mean, I, I think they should be fine to be able to hang in this game. Fresno was a little bit, a little bit better against the run than they were against the pass last year. Thirty-seven on effective rush, sixty-one on effective pass. They're good at like I, I like I said, like I think I think they're going to have a shot to 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 be able to throw the football a little here. Yeah, I don't trust Oregon State as much on the road as I do at home, and. L- I'm going to take so the the spread opened at Fresno, giving one to Oregon State. I'm going to take Fresno. I I think they're going to be able to score points. I think they're going to be well coached. I think that they're at home, and I I just want I just need to see this defense from Oregon State. Like I I, I don't trust it. Um, I think they might be getting a little bit of like I think a lot of people saw what Oregon State did, and just I think I might get a few points of value there on that front. Uh, and I very much. I would very much like the Beavers to win this game. If they do, it's just, it's a huge win. It sounds silly that it's a group of five team, but on the road against a good coach, against a good quarterback. And if you're able to pull out a win here, then heck yeah, like, let's go. I'm really excited about Oregon state and what they're able to do. I just, um, I'm going to pump the brakes and I'm going to take Fresno. I think Fresno is going to win this game. And, um, but I think it's going to be competitive and like, I'm going to keep an eye on that over because yes, the Beavs only held Boise state to 17, 
but that that was aided by a lot of turnovers and I just I think Hayner's just going to be a better quarterback and he's going to be able to move the ball down the field yeah yeah, I agree yeah 55 and a half by the way is the over so just keep a look at that I I just think that there's going to be a lot of points on that front all right, let's go. Let's stay. Let's stay late night. Let's let's reward everybody that stayed up late. Pac-12 after dark. The uh, other game that we had while this game was going on, by the way, was Washington, who beat Kent State forty-five to twenty. Holy goodness! Like Michael Penix, Mike Penix. <laughs> I tried to tell people like do not do not judge him on the year when Nick Sheridan was his offensive coordinator. The two years of that, he lit this team up like a Christmas tree. It was. Awesome. 345 yards, four touchdowns, 10 yards per pass, which is, which I love, right? We were just talking about Cam Ward, like five or whatever. Yeah. Years, but like, we'll talk about Bo Nix too. Like 10 yards or fast. That cat was slinging that ball down the field. And this awesome, this offense looks great. Now I took, I went, I went 500 by the way on, on the week. Um, I got waxed with my bets, but you know, it was only week one. I, I liked Washington in this game because I just didn't think Kent state was very, was we're going to be able to stop him. And I like Kalen DeBoer. I think he's, I think he's going to be, I just, I just really like what I think he'll be able to do with this offense. Um, a couple things came to mind and, you know, in addition to Penix, you know, they, they, we talked about on the podcast and Washington had released their depth chart about like, I think it was a few hours or a day before the game or whatever. And basically none of the running backs that had played last year <laughs> were in the depth chart. It was like the Virginia transfer, the Nebraska transfer. And that, that turned out to be the case, right? Um, I think it's Tula Papa. The, the Virginia transfer got the majority of the carries and then Will Nixon, uh, the Nebraska yeah. guy. So I, anyway, it was, it was nice to see this offense hum. I'm sure if you're a Washington fan, you are super giddy. Just, just know against state's defense, probably not the best Giving up 20 right. points to them gives me a little bit of, you know, I, I kind of assumed that Kent State would score, though. They, they had a, a at least a fast offense. What did you think about the result here? I thought this was really good for Washington. Um, you know, look, I mean, they struggled a little bit with Schley. You know, he's mobile as well. I mean, and, and he he didn't, you know, he, had, he didn't have a great completion percentage, but they certainly hit some. I mean, he certainly hit some big ones. <laughs> in the game um, against them. But like, I think overall for Washington, right? Like the biggest question, you know, and there are some questions I think about like what the defense is going to look like this year, but I think they'll still largely be fine. They really needed an offensive bounce back. Uh, and I, you, you have to feel like they got it after out of this, like the, the wide receivers were largely looked pretty good. Um, it, it's what you really kind of wanted this. I mean, it could it have been better. Sure. Right. But they had no point would you come away thinking like, oh, no, like this was a disaster. Right. Or I have questions like you mostly come into this thinking like, all right, like I'm I'm I mean, they're, they're going to roll this week and then we'll get to see him against Michigan State. Yeah. Basically, every wide receiver that you've heard on this show and every other show in Washington got like a significant amount of play and passes and receptions and yards. <laughs> so, yeah, which is great. And as they play, you know, the, the next game on Washington's schedule is Portland State. We don't do the lines for the FCS stuff, A, because they usually don't come out until, like, you know, way later. And B, like, we just, you know, we're not we're not FCS experts yet. Yet, emphasis on the yet as, as Vader Inc. starts to dip its toe into the water on that front. But anything that you're looking out for, Rob, in the Huskies matchup against the Vikings? The Vikings, right? I should know that. I yeah, like I mean, again, like, you want to see some, you want to see, some, like, look, I don't expect, like, this is one of those ones like they're probably not going to put a lot on tape before they go play Michigan state. Right. And hopefully they also held some stuff back against um, Kent state. Uh, but yeah, like they're going to like, they're, they're like, they'll probably have some pretty vanilla looks. You'd like to see them slow things down, you know, keep, 
keep Portland State boxed up. This is one of those ones of like, ah, Washington looks pretty good. Don't, don't give us anything that'll concern us. Yeah. I, I really want to see them rush the ball. I want to see if they can yeah. get that ground game going. Um, I saw Penix. I get it. I've seen him before. Like, you know, I, I just... I'm confident that Washington will be able to throw the ball around the field. I, I want to see if they can run it too, so that they can keep that offense open. Let's, let's do, let's get it out of the way here, Rob. <laughs> right. Right, now we're, now we're going to take the plunge. So real, the real talk here, uh, Georgia 98, Oregon three, <laughs> basically. I mean, they, I, I was, so I was trying to, I watched this whole game. I was trying to find a way to describe it because this was just a full unabridged ass kicking. And like, so the, the thing, like I was trying, like, how, how would I, so if you ever been to like Joe's Crab Shack or something, you know, the places where, where you have the, the, the people, they have that stupid bib on and they're just cracking open bits of crab and like ripping it apart and like digging all the remains out. Um, it was like that, except Georgia was sophisticated. Like they were wearing like a top hat and white gloves as they did it. Like this was a beautiful, dis- disruptive punching in the face of, of a program that, that we thought was on the rise, right? With Oregon, you, you freaking had their defensive coordinator on your, as right. your head coach. Right. And, and you could not stop Stetson Bennett. You couldn't nope. stop the running game and you didn't score a freaking touchdown. And I apologize. Like I apologize to, if you're follow if you follow me on Twitter, I took this loss personally because I had three separate bets on Oregon. So it's, I want Oregon to be good. I was just so mad that the, the spread was 17 and a half. The first half uh, uh, team total was seven and a half. Like if you're Oregon and you're a serious program that thinks that you're challenging for the national title, this proved all of that, all of that wrong. Like now maybe you're still good in the PAC 12, which could certainly be the case. And Georgia is awesome. But if you, if you're looking for an, a natty, like you got a lot of work to do. Uh, I, I, there was, oh, what did you think? What, what, what jumped out for you? I mean, here's the, cause there's a couple things. One, you know, Kirby Smart tried to be polite to a guy that he is probably friends with in Dan Lanning. And after the game, say, oh, man, he just doesn't have the players, right? Like, that's a very polite way of saying, like, that is like that is basically saying, like, hey, this isn't your fault. And I just want to be clear, some of this is Dan Lanning's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, Kirby is trying to, like, deflect. Like, oh, he doesn't have the players, right? Like, uh, yeah, I I mean, I think it's pretty clear at some positions, Oregon does not have the players. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, Georgia last season was a really good offense. But they weren't, like, last season offenses took a little bit of a dip. You know, we're not talking about like 2019, 2020 level offenses last year. Georgia was really good. They were just mostly like a fan, just a fantastic defense. But Georgia lost their really good wide receivers to the NFL, right? They lost a ton of defensive players to the NFL. And they basically just came in with the guys that were last year's backups and worked Oregon. And some of these Oregon guys, like, and this is, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, this is, this is, this is true. Like, it's not even like the the recruiting gap is, is a little bit there. The development gap is immense between these two schools because look, I mean, like there's plenty of guys that went to like the, 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 you look at for Oregon and you're like, oh yeah. Like they just, they, they look, they look great. Get it. You know, they, 
they look great getting off the bus, but they don't, they don't produce. And frankly, I mean, this defense was bad last year and I really, I really full on expected them to be better and they were not Dude, like they were not like they, yeah, Stetson Bennett lit them up. You know, some of that is, I mean, look, Bennett gets like, Bennett's not going to play on Sundays, but it doesn't mean he's not a perfectly serviceable college quarterback throwing to a bunch of dudes that are going to play on Sundays, (laughs) you know, like, but like the other part was is like, like, look, I mean, and there are people saying like, I mean, and you know, Oregon, you know, or Georgia didn't, couldn't run the ball last, like didn't run the ball really well. Like Georgia didn't put up big plays running the ball last year because people stacked the box. Like what did Oregon try to do a little bit? Like they tried to make Stetson Bennett beat them. Like, did that work? No, it did not. <laughs> like, did he beat them? Yes, he did. But like, they still got run on, right? Like, I, I guess it's just like, you come away from this and looking at this Oregon team and I'm sorry, but like, look, like you can throw on these guys, right? Like you can throw on Oregon. Like not everybody's going to have Georgia's talent at wide receiver, but there are some quarterbacks that are better than Stetson Bennett in the Pac-12. You can run on them. Guess who they got to play again? Utah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It was just a big, like, and then the offense with Dillingham and Bo Nix. I mean, look, I don't want to, like, I just, like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear about Oregon's amazing offensive line and how many guys go to the NFL. Doesn't matter. You guys are underachieving. Like, the like that's wonderful. You have a great offensive line. You send guys to the NFL. You have a bunch of guys playing wide receiver that can't get open. And you have zero quarterback development. Bo Nix was not good. And Ty Thompson couldn't beat him out. Like, yeah. Oregon, Oregon in a lot of positions, and look, this is a new staff. Maybe they can start over. Oregon in a lot of positions that really matter on a football field is a black hole for talent. Guys come in, they're highly regarded, they're not developed, they're put in systems that don't get the most out of them. Like I just, like this isn't like this. This this didn't just happen this year. Like this has been Oregon's mo. The the one thing so. It's it's Georgia's second. And they will develop. Like this is not forever. This is game one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the the two things that worried me in this game, uh, you know, other than Bo Nix and not being able to score a touchdown, uh, the the entire game was the the like you mentioned the secondary for for Oregon, like not not ready now, not ready for prime time in terms of playing a playoff team. We'll see how they play against uh against the Pac-12 but there are good wide receivers in the Pac-12 and like you mentioned there are good quarterbacks but that was a big red flag for me the second to your point was like their wide receivers were not open and I yeah. understand that it's Georgia's secondary it's one of the best defenses in the world <laughs> like outside the NFL uh right but but how many freaking years have we looked at this as this roster and been like, oh, like look at all these these amazingly talented players that that have have high pedigree that are at the wide receiver position? I hope as as Oregon continues to to play that that these players develop because it would be very fun to have wide receivers that can get open. But here's the problem: you have Bo Nix throwing to them. He threw two picks in this game immediately and shot every any any idea that Oregon fans had of winning this game. You saw that first pick, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> Like we're done here. Yeah. Like this is you yeah. cannot do that against Georgia. So I, I, I this worries me. That like we'll see, we'll see. Because the Pac-12 this is a horrible is- matchup to start out. Like with the new coaching staff, right? Like you definitely like you're not going to get your feet under you necessarily in this. But it's just it's disappointing. I mean, this is a really disappointing. Like I mean, 
look, if if Oregon would have lost by twenty, fine, sure. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you, I, I, you would have felt, and that sounds weird. Like, you lose by three possessions, like you can at least feel decent about it. Like this was, yeah, in no way close. And look, I mean, Oregon couldn't even do anything in garbage time, and the majority of this game was garbage time. Yeah. The worrisome thing for me and our friend Adam Chimeo at Quack 12 Podcast was like tweeting, is it time to put Ty Thompson in yet? And I'm like, I don't think he's good. Like, because he couldn't beat out your quarterback <laughs> last year or he couldn't beat out Bo Nix. So let's like, I, I'm i I'm worried. And then you got Robbie Ashford that's like running all over the place at Auburn. who's <laughs> like your third stringer. I don't know. It's it's bizarre. They play Eastern Washington next. I'm I want to see, can you light up that scoreboard through the air? I don't care about your running game. I don't. I want you to throw that ball and I want to see what you can do against Eastern Washington. Um, and look, Eastern Washington has a fun and it has for years has been known as like, you know, a little bit of fun FCS offense. Um, they, they absolutely have to shut them down. Like they can't have, they, they cannot have a Cal UC Davis moment. Yeah. I, I don't mean to be brutal, but like that, that was a brutal game. Like they just tore apart. Oregon and it was it was just it was not that whole game was a disaster so um, all the way up to the very end where they were trying to finally score a touchdown and we'll, we're still not able to do it you have Kirby Smart like cheering on the sideline like it's just that from start to finish it was uh, it was it was pretty much a mess all right Rob uh, let's let's talk about Utah and Florida and let's do it <laughs> let's get the other one out of the way all right sure <laughs> let's do it right after this another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I were back. I feel like I went to therapy. Just getting that all off my chest. That Oregon game. Uh, moving on, we have Florida, who beat Utah 29-26. This, this game was fun. Like, this whole game was fun. I super enjoyed this game. It was competitive. Um, Utah should have won this game multiple yeah. times and did not. And, and if this game was – like, look, I don't know what would have happened if Utah played Georgia – but they didn't. They played Florida in the swamp. They lost by three. Really, the story of this game, I thought, Rob, was the fact that they had the ball um, inside the 10 on, like, first and goal and and didn't score in both instances. Like, they, they lost. Like, they just really did have an opportunity to win this game. Not only – I mean, like, the, the pick at the end, you know, when the tight end slipped in the end zone, like, at the end of the game, like, yes – that that yeah. clearly was a backbreaking play, but I thought this game was lost earlier in the uh, you know in in the game just because they weren't able to convert in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a legit argument that I think Rising got in on third down, but they didn't review it for reasons I don't understand. <laughs> and but more to the point, Utah didn't didn't force it on the review, so maybe Utah's 
you know, but like they probably should have uh, on that. Um, but yeah, like this, like Utah had, uh, like, it's not that it's not that Utah got, went in and got completely outplayed, but there are like, there are some concerns coming out of this game. I think in the second half, um, well, Utah certainly was able to like drop the hammer down and they were certainly able to run the football pretty well, uh, in the game, uh, you know, particularly in the, after some adjustments they made on the offensive line going to the second half, you flip it around. And we had talked about coming into the, or, you know, I did, and I've had some Utah folks push back on this, but like I asked questions. I didn't think the defensive line last year was really good. I thought they put, you know, put up a bunch of numbers against mostly against the pac 12, their defensive line got worked in that second half. Like they got pushed around <laughs> and look, Anthony, like, you know, like anybody's going to struggle with Anthony Richardson. Like he is a absolute physical specimen. You know, and like he, he is a, he, he himself brings a significant element to the run game. Um, but like Florida's normal run game was pretty good, you know, like in particular against the, you know, in that second half. And you realize how much the guys that they did had last year helped. Um, you know, in particular, I think the linebackers coming in and, 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 you know, uh, getting off blocks, um, and causing havoc. I just, I mean, there's like, look, I, I don't think this is going to end up being like a bad loss for Utah. I don't think Utah's out of the playoff conversation. I think Florida's going to be a lot better. Like Florida's, I think going to finish this year, probably ranked, um, you know, it could be, t- I mean, it could be tough for them because you are going to have to play Kentucky and Tennessee who are pretty good and Georgia, <laughs> but you know, overall, like, I mean, I, I think this Florida team's going to be able to pile up some wins and, you know, like, yeah, I don't think this is the end of the world for you, John. There's some real positives, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I think the real questions, I think if you're a Utah fan are on, on the defensive side of this game, cause I thought, the, I thought the offense, they definitely had their struggles in the first half, but I felt like they put it together. Yeah. Tavion Thomas fumbling, right. When there was a couple issues yeah. with him fumbling earlier last year. So that just, I'm just, I'm just playing a little flag there. Just want to keep an eye on that um and him slipping like right on that first on that first drive it's just like man like two back-to-back play like bad plays by thomas in like the first quarter that that was a bummer because that could have been the difference i mean there's that's the thing like if you're a utah fan the positive side of this is you could look back and see like three instances yeah. where you win this game four actually that you could actually win this game but but that didn't happen and richardson just torched them it, the, the thing that bothered me with this was when the game was on the line, like, like, right. Richardson got the first downs. Richardson got the touchdown. Like when, when, when they're doing that read option, like, why are you, why did, I don't know. Right. There's it's, I, I appreciate Scally. I think Whittingham's a great coach. Like, why don't you just say everybody just go after Richardson. Don't even worry about anything else. Cause like yeah. I think everybody in that stadium knew where that ball was going, except the Utah yeah. players that, that kind of bothered me because there's multiple plays where like, you just kind of knew that this guy's getting the ball and they're going to ride with him or die with him. And they rode him and they freaking, I mean, they won the game is it it because of him. I don't know. What do you think about that? Am I being too nitpicky? No, no, I think that's right. I mean, like, I, I don't think that they had anyone that could effectively spy Richardson. Right. And they weren't getting good pressure. Like they just weren't like the defensive line wasn't getting a good push. Um, and like, and that's probably like, look, they're not going to run into like Billy Napier prides himself on an O-line coaching, um, that comes with this team, you know, like you're probably not going to run into an offensive line that's as good as this Florida offensive line in the pac 12. 
but it is a concern. Like I, I, I think, you know, that's something to keep an eye on in the future and look like, I mean, they get the beeves again this year. Like the beeves ran on them last year, <laughs> you know? Um, what do you, I mean, like you used to joke around about like JT Daniels getting, I'm on raw St. Brown vision, right? Like yeah. tunnel vision. Uh-huh. Like it was Keithy vision, right? Like, I mean, it was like Keithy or bust. They don't have um, anybody else though. Like I, there I, isn't, I mean, there, that's, that's just truly concerning is that, that like, it is literally no one else beyond Keithy. And I think Florida knew that, right? Like, and, and that allowed them to slow Utah down more than maybe Utah would have expected. And maybe look other Pac-12, like Pac-12, like we talked, I tried to talk to everyone, like Florida actually had a sneaky, decent defense last year. Patrick Tony's a really good defensive coordinator. Um, but the fact that you really only have to figure out so much with this Utah offense, I like it did end up being a bit of a problem for them. If they have, if they have a legit wide receiving threat, they probably win this game by 10 points. Yeah. I mean, like you can argue Dalton Kincaid is also good, but he's a tight end, right? So I think. Yeah, no, he, Kincaid's good, right? He was, that's who, you know, but like, again, like on that last intercept, on the play that was intercepted, he's looking for Kincaid. He's looking for a tight end. Yeah. The thing that bothered that bothers me is like when we previewed this game, right? We basically said they're going to, they're going to game plan around these tight ends. But I just thought that Utah was a, was a good enough team to be able to push through, and they were. They just freaking like there was yeah, two or three. Like just, they were so close, and Thomas fumbles that football, and I'm like, dang, like because Thomas is a beast, and he, I think he's gonna be fine when he comes to Pac-12 play. I think he's gonna be fine in non-conference and like whatever bowl they go to, as long as the fumbling issues don't happen, which we just saw in Florida again. But ah, like that 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 game was frustrating because this could have really been a premier win for the Pac-12. It would have made yeah. up for that Georgia uh Oregon game. And it wasn't. It ended up being like a disappointing loss. But if you're Utah, I still think you have a shot at the playoff, like you mentioned. And I but- don't think the perception nationally was like like I think people were very impressed by what they saw from Florida. And I I, th- I don't think it was like a knock on Utah. I think most people are just like, oh yeah, Florida might actually be really good this year. That'd be nice. I hope that's the case. Any like anything else like so Utah has Southern Utah? I mean, is there anything in this game that you're looking for? I don't care. Like, I just think. No, there's nothing. There's just literally, there's literally nothing. I mean, it's like, don't give us anything to be concerned about. That's it. Yeah. Right. 1030 AM. That's an early kick. No injuries. Get it moving. Yeah. Where do you want to go next? Oh, geez. Uh, Should we do ASU? Yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got a fun game this week. Yes. Beat NAU 40 to three. 250 yards on the ground, 150 passing. Emory Jones was fine. All the rushing all the time, basically. And they held yeah. NAU under 125 yards. I was really ho- – oh, and there was an Andre Johnson sighting. <laughs> like, I was pretty excited about that. In, in my mind, this was the best possible – like, I didn't think ASU was going to – This is as good as it could have looked, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, this is – this is like, there's, like, no complaints. Like, uh, you know, like, if five out of five Uber rating <laughs> – for ASU on this one, right? Like no notes. <laughs> like I'm trying to look. So it looks like they opened uh, as as an 11 point underdog on the road at Oklahoma State. And I know yeah. Rob, you've previewed Oklahoma State. You know their their game was fascinating. I mean, they dropped a 50 burger, which is interesting with Spencer Sanders that they did that. Uh, the defense a little. I was really hoping that Oklahoma State was just going to beat the doors off of. Um, Western Michigan and ASU, like maybe that game was like 21 to seven or something, but uh, we got divergent <laughs> in both directions. What, what what do you think about 11 points and what does Oklahoma State bring to the table? 
Look, Oklahoma State last week went out and really, I mean, crapped the bed once they took the foot off the gas, right? Like, you can look at, you know, what they were doing offensively and defensively. defensively. There's like a clear peak where, like, you can see where the starters got pulled on offense and you can see where the starters got pulled on defense. And then things went very downhill. And that's interesting. Like, Look, like Oklahoma State lost a ton off of that really good defense last year. Last year on defense, um, they were ranked at number three overall in beta rank, and they lost a lot of players. So I don't think they're deep, right? Like, and I, I look, I mean, I think Derek Mason's a good defensive coordinator. I mean, so there's like, I, I think they're going to be fun, you know, defensively. I think ASU is certainly going to have a harder time moving the football against this unit than they clearly did against. NAU, you know, and they, they, they ran, I mean, they did, they ran the ball really well. Like Valade is a very good back. The offensive line looked pretty good. I mean, but this is what you want to see. Like you want to see your starter running for 7.7 per against an FCS team. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think the questions are is like, man, if you're like, can they be varied enough and interesting enough in the run game? Can Emory Jones add enough in the run game to really mess with the Cowboys um, because I don't think, I mean, look, they were able to hit some big passes because NAU was clearly loading up the box to try to try to stop a running game that was punching them in the face. Um, but Oklahoma state's going to probably be able to cover these guys, <laughs> you know, largely, right? Like they're going to, like, I think Oklahoma state will be far more successful when they go to single coverage, you know, against, Arizona state's wide receivers. And that's, but that's where this game's going to be won or lost for ASU is like, can they, can they add more of a passing dimension in? Do they have that in their pocket? Um, and then again, like you flip it around, like this is a total change from what we saw from our, you know, against NAU does like to throw the ball around a bit more. Oklahoma state's a little bit more of a run game. You know, um, but they only, I mean, they, they did with Sanders last, or uh, they did last week lean on Sanders throwing the football a little again, more against a bad central Michigan defense. But I, I do expect them to run, like to, to try to run the football. I'm interested to see where ASU shakes out, right? Like they looked pretty good against NAU, but that's an FCS team. And I don't want to read too much into it. Like they, they looked like a competent power five unit. Like does that does that carry over against uh, you know uh, a step up in competition? Yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, like, I'm curious how many yards. Well, it's it's just difficult because, like you mentioned, it's that second unit that came in. I'm worried about Emory Jones throwing the ball because right. if he turns this, if he turns the ball over, like ASU does not cover the spread. And I often don't say this, right? Like on your like this tends to be something that like from an advanced statistics standpoint, like don't turn the ball over is like the most one of the most important things. For like in this particular game where like I think you have to get a uh it doesn't have to be a perfect game from Emory Jones it just has to be a, a like a, you have to avoid the mistakes and if that's he has the, to not turn the ball over and maybe run for 100 and throw for 150 yeah yeah and I think he can do that and I think if he yeah. does that ASC like what does Herm do he keeps games close that's what he does yeah and we're getting absolutely. a double digit spread against the team whose defense is getting revamped and um and was kind of a problem in the second half. Now, granted, is because they had have new players in, but still, you know, I, I I'm going to take the eleven. I think ASU, um, I think ASU at least covers this game. I think there's a world where they actually win this game, 
Um, I don't think that world is often like, you know, the multiverse. It's a Spencer Sanders turnover game is what you're looking at, right? Like Sanders isn't hot. Yeah. I mean, look like central Michigan, like they most like, I mean, they threw the football against this. So, I mean, once they got the backups in for Oklahoma state, those guys could not cover apparently. Well, I mean, look, I mean, Oklahoma state's going to have the starters in likely all game against the ASU, right? Like 11 points does feel like a lot. I'm probably with you. I'm going to take Arizona state with that, but it's, it's a tough, this is a tough one. Uh, Cause it is, I mean, both of these teams, like how much do you take away from a, you know, an FCS game? Like, Oh, well they, they looked, they look good. They look like a normal power five program when yeah, they play an FCS team. I think, we know, uh, I think we know what this team is. I mean, like I know their secondary, yeah. they had to replace, but T Marcus Davis wasn't in this game. He was out with a leg injury. He's going to be in, um, yeah. I, I think one of their other corners is is questionable, but like we know they're going to run the ball. We know their defensive line, their offensive line is pretty good. You know, uh, we we know that their wide receivers aren't great, and we know Spencer Sanders. Like you know, I just I feel like of most of these games, I have more of an understanding of what I'm getting into in week two with these two teams than I do with some of these other these other programs. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. I don't know. All right, let's move to UCLA. Let's do the LA schools here. UCLA 45, Bowling Green 17. The opening of this game looked like UCLA was coached by Clay Hilton. Like, it was, <laughs> <laughs> their punter just got lit the F up uh, and, you know, scoop and score touchdown. Bad special teams. They had, they literally had two, like a player, two players wearing the same jersey, which is what USC did like the year before Clay Hilton yeah. was fired. Like, it was just like, I was dying. I was dying. But to their credit, once things calmed down, and I took UCLA in this game, um, once things calmed down, like UCLA got to business and like I was actually looking for holes, holes to poke. And then, you know, I watched the majority of this game and then I looked back at the box score and like, this is the exact box score that you want to see for UCLA oh, yeah. pulling, playing Bully Green. In fact, I mean, like there's no like, like the, the actual final score is a little bit deceiving. Like yeah. UCLA absolutely smoked these guys. And look, Bowling Green was replacing a lot on offense. We talked about that. Um, this is probably as good of a result as you could have expected from UCLA's defense, only giving up 162 total yards. Like yeah. that's really good. Um, so there's like this, like this is this is this is a lot like the ASU result. Like this is exactly what you want to see. Like no notes, <laughs> great job, you know. Um, and I think that's you know like and but we get another one of those this week, right? Like I, I you know like for UCLA. And they're they have a powder puff non-conference. Like the only one, like the South Alabama one, will be a little interesting. But I mean, we're not. I mean, we're not going to know anything about them until they play Washington. Maybe. No. The the good thing here was that at like, least the defense. Like I feel like the offense should be fine. But there were there were some questions. Uh, there are definitely some times in that game where I was like, I don't think the offensive line is quite as good as they were last year. And they lost some guys off that line last year, but like overall, like it's not going to matter against a team like Bowling Green. Yeah, the other two things I thought were interesting was was Casimir Allen actually going to show up? Because I've heard his name for five years, and he did. He got like eighty yards, and you saw him run around and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Keep an eye on for. I don't look if if this guy was the second coming of like DeAnthony Thomas, we would have known a long time ago. But he could be a fun gadget tool as like a he's either a junior or a senior now for that program. So that's interesting. And then some guy named Josiah Norwood. Uh, is going to get like a thousand yards and nobody's ever heard of him before. So that was their, yeah. their top pass catcher. And you know, Brian uh, Kelly's always going to find um, 
uh, Brian Kelly, Chip Kelly, pardon me, is always going to find like the random player that nobody looks. He's like, ah, that's my guy. So keep an eye out for him because he got like 90 yards. So that was interesting. And I thought the defense played pretty well. Yeah, I don't even think there's a line on the uh, Alabama State uh, game. That's how bad Alabama State is. So we can uh, move on to USC, who just blew the doors off of Rice. 66 to 14. What did you think about this one? But would not have covered without three seed pick sixes. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, like that's what that's what's so fascinating about this one is like you should just if you want to get a like a more of a sense about the game, like subtract twenty one off of the Trojans total because like three pick sixes is a complete and crazy anomaly. Yeah. Now the offense the now the offense for the Trojans was really good. Um, you know, they still put up 538 yards. They almost doubled Rice's yards, but <laughs> I want to throw a butt out there. Like Rice put up 280 yards against them. Now, some of this is like USC was scoring at will. There are the pick sixes. Like Rice is going to get the ball back right after that. They're definitely going to have some possessions, um, in there, but I mean, it was, it was like, I thought the run defense was a little bit concerning, um, for USC. I'd put a pin in that rice. I mean, rice is a really, really bad football team, you know? So that's about it. The thing that worried me at the beginning, like it's in week one, what happens, right? Like every first drive is scripted, right? We're going to yeah. do this. We're going to do this. We're going to, it's based on film study, the team, the previous year, et cetera, et cetera. So I wasn't surprised that rice was able to move. I was laughing about it, but I wasn't surprised they were able to make the defense look inept for like one or two drives, but that did stop. And and credit USC to kind of putting the kibosh in that they had that one big play where it was like 50 yard rush. And then after that, it was about 100 yards, which is still probably too much for a rice team. To your point, Rob, this team sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, this team is real. I mean, the rice is one of the hardest jobs in all of college football. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see if the running game is actually good, because most of the offense in this game went through the air for USC. So right. are they actually able to run the ball? Because that was a problem last year. And Look, you know, Stanford beat toothpaste like 40 to 14 um, and threw the ball around. It's the same Stanford team we saw last year. We don't really need to get into that game very much. Um, other other than than highlighting like their quarterback is healthy and everybody's healthy. This game is only a nine point spread right now. USC plays Stanford next week. I'm curious, right? Like, because this is kind of the, the first two teams where I think we have a, a pretty solid handle of each uh, in conference. Right. You know, what, what does Beta Rank think about that line? I mean, Beta Rank has this projected as. And I have to, uh, the, uh, these numbers will get updated tomorrow. It's got USC by seven and a half. My guess is it's going to be more. It's going to probably be more like 11 or 12 after we get to the games tomorrow. Uh, or I, I, you know, re or I run the week one data in there. But I mean, what's interesting, like, I mean, Colgate, I mean, look, Stanford certainly was able to like shut him down in the second half. But in the first half, Colgate was moving the football a little bit. Um, I'm, like I just, I'm again, like, I'm just not so like, here's what I'm not sold on Stanford's defense suddenly becoming in any way good. I think USC is going to absolutely put up some points in this game. <laughs> the question is Stanford's offense. Who, I mean, again, like do you take away the, you know, like they had a huge run from Emmett Smith's kid to start off the game. And it was like Stanford's running game is back. And like, and they did the nothing dude, else after that. The like, dude average is like less than two yards a carry. I think after that. <laughs> so no, but uh, the actual Stanford offense that they've been running for the past couple of years for the people that have been paying attention 
is Tanner McKee throw the ball around. And that's what you should expect to see. I'm, I'm interested to see, can, you know, can they, you know, does, does that work with, you know, Humphreys and the guys that they have against this USC defense? Cause like that was their, that was USC's Achilles heel last year. Right. Was defending the pass. This should be fun. I like, I, I think we're going to find out a lot about like where Stanford's offense maybe is and where USC's defense is. I am wor- like, so that nine worries me a bit because I see what you're saying, right? Like Stanford legitimately has a good passing attack and their wide receivers are good. And USC was not good in the defense. And we've been talking about that this whole time. At the same time, this is a one dimensional team in Stanford and they have zero defense. Are they going to be, they're going to have bad field position. Like they're going to, I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to have to go toe to toe to put up points. I don't know that they're going to be able to. I mean, I don't like, I wouldn't take Stanford to win unless USC turns the ball over three times. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, I just, I just don't trust the defense at all. The one thing that I'm interested in is can they actually run the football? Because if, if USC can't like they did, you know, previously, I still think they win because Williams could run the ball. Right. Like, but I actually want to see him hand that ball off to, I'm, I'm going to give the nine and take USC. I actually don't like this a ton. I think like I'm gonna bet it just because I just don't like. I think it's Stanford. a pretty good line. Yeah. Like, on it. I don't know. What do, what do you think? I mean, I'm gonna take USC because I don't trust Stanford's defense. Yeah. And I think USC is gonna be able to run the football against them. I think they're gonna be able to throw the ball against them. I think Stanford is gonna be stuck with bad field position and having to play catch up. And I don't think I I think USC is going to be because I don't think Stanford's gonna be able to run the ball really well. I think USC is going to, particularly if they get an early lead, they are going to be able to pin their ears back, drive, you know, and 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 Alex Grinch can run some interesting blitz packages. Like I don't think USC's defense is is particularly good. We'll see. <laughs> you know, like this will be the first into like they really really stunk against the pass last year. Stanford will be a legit test of that. And and McKee is McKee's probably going to get drafted and play in the NFL. I'm curious. I mean, like, take a look at that over, right? I'm sure Vegas is all over it. I bet you they said it at like 65 or something like that. But really, it'd be funny. I mean, game. like, I mean, if a key, like, where, like, it's, yeah, it is at 65, 65 and a half. Oh, nailed it. Boom. Um, look at that. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> but, um, like, the thing that could, like, if they're, like, if McKee throws any picks, like, this, this is going to get ugly. Like, it, like, the, the, the final score, like, if, if McKee throws any picks, like it's gonna it's gonna be like that rice one. Like you're gonna be like, oh, the final score looks a lot worse than the actual, you know, some of the game. You know. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. Um, man, Max My- Max Meyer's smiling right now. Finally, he finally got me <laughs> to figure out what these uh, what these uh, totals are. All right, let's go to uh, let's do Arizona. <laughs> let's. <laughs> Thirty-eight twenty, baby. Like right on. Uh, Delora, three hundred yards. Here, here's the thing. And it's, it's not like because the bar was so low for the for quarterbacks. For me, the, the real story was like, take that bar away and just look at what Delora was able to do. 300 yards, four touchdowns, a pick, and eight and a half yards per pass. Like, that's a beautiful stat line, um, period. And it's exceptionally beautiful stat line for Arizona. They rush for Against a- San Diego State, a team that plays some defense. Yes, Absolutely. They also rushed for 162 yards. Now, the big asterisk here is they were playing Braxton Burmeister. <laughs> so I don't know. Like you, watch, I'm sure you watched this game. What, what did you think of Arizona's performance? And you know, was there any red flags? I was just I was happy as a clam watching this game. 
Well, I mean, look, here's the, you know, like they, they did at times struggle to stop San Diego state running the football. That's true. Right. Like, and, and San Diego state, that's what they generally do offensively. But like once they got San Diego state where they were behind, like they absolutely put them in a, a chokehold, right? Like, um, Burmeister, you know, and, and Haskell who played in the fourth quarter, um, weren't able to really get anything going throwing the football at all. That was really good. Arizona was able to put pressure on the quarterback at times, which was the first time that's happened in a really long time. Look, and San Diego State is a um, a one-trick pony. The offense has been really bad for a number of years. So, like, shutting down San Diego State offensively is not necessarily – like, this is a little bit more like, hey, like, you – Arizona's defense showed up and did what you're supposed to do. They haven't done that in years, right? So, like, Arizona, we're not saying, like, it's going to have some, like, legitimately good top 30 defense. But still, like, they managed to, like, show up and, like, you know, put a, put a you know, bad group of five offense in a sleeper hold. And that's good, <laughs> you know? Dude. Offensively, like, flip it around, though, this has consistently been a very good defense, an excellent group of five defense. They returned three out of four starters. I had, I'm not going to name them, but I, somebody emailed me, like a national college football writer emailed me on, you know, reach out to me on Twitter to ask about what I thought about Arizona's offensive line against what he thought was going to be a nasty defensive line for the Aztecs because they returned three out of four guys from last year. And Arizona's offensive line showed up in a big way against San Diego state. And it really does look like a lot of the problems from last year were the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. Mm. Well, that and Jacob Cowing just made, Arizona State. Oh, dude. That guy is good. Legitimately good. Like, everybody in the the conference is going to be talking about, like, USC's wide receivers. But, like, Jacob Cowing is legitimately, if he's healthy, is like, you can just pencil him in if he plays like like that for an all-pack 12 spot. Yeah. Now, Arizona has Mississippi State at home at, like, you know, 1 a.m. Eastern time. For uh, for the <laughs> poor Mississippi State for the Bulldogs, yeah. And now, and it is Mike Leach who let's all let's let's be real here. Uh, oftentimes, I say takes, poor Mississippi State about the start time, not about the the game. Oh, <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. Like, I don't want to overanalyze this game, but San Diego State had a good defense. Arizona dropped forty points on them. Now, Mississippi State's defense is a whole nother animal. Like, and you've you've covered Mississippi State, right? Like, the only thing that like I want because I want you to go through all of this stuff for, for them because you know them better than I do. The one thing that gives me pause in terms of taking Mississippi State is a it's in the desert, it's at night, and Mike Leach takes his eye off the ball on games like this all the time. We've seen it year after year after year, and now he comes to Tucson with a raucous crowd and an offense now. But what are, what are the cats going up against with Mississippi State? So look, like the the offense for Mississippi State was really good last season. Um, they graded out at number nine on in Beta Rank. Um, they're a really efficient. They're a little bit more like the Gardner Minshew version than like the Anthony Gordon fun. I mean, like the Gardner Minshew version was also pretty fun, but like the Anthony Gordon version was real fun. Um, but they're they're high efficiency. You know, Rogers absolutely finds his checks downs. Um, and he was really good against Memphis. I mean, they they had a long lightning delay in that game. Um, and he came out, didn't miss a beat. You know, they were 
they rolled. They threw for 450. Um, they even managed to run for 97. Um, but he was he was really, I mean, again, a really high completion percentage. Um, I think what's interesting though is like Memphis isn't a great. Uh, I mean, they they they've been kind of on the downhill since uh, Norvell went to Florida State, and they did okay, uh, you know, offensively against Mississippi State. Um, I'm interested to see because this Mississippi State defense really did need to take a step forward coming into this year. Now, oddly enough, Arizona is going to get to see the same defense twice. So Zach Arnett is a Rocky Long disciple. He runs that same Rocky Long three three five that San Diego State runs. Now he's clearly going to be running it with better players, but they were at 37 in beta rank last season. I actually think Arizona's going to be able to move the football around against these guys. Now, I expect them to improve defensively off of that 37 number, but I think from what we saw, I mean, San Diego State's going to be a legitimately good defense. Like, Arizona's going to be able to move the ball here and put up some points. I think, like, there's a, like, look, like, beta rank had this at... And when I update this, it's going to shrink considerably off of this, probably closer to 10. Beta Ray counted at 24 to start the season. Now that we've seen these games played, it's probably going to shrink down to 10. Vegas also has this now at like 10, 9? 10, 10 and a half. It, it opened 10 and a half. It's been bet up. Yeah, it's been bet up because like people do believe it. Like sharp bettors do buy into Mississippi State. I like I don't I, I think Arizona's defense is gonna have some problems in this game. Yeah, Absolutely. Um and I think this will be a little bit more of a baptism of fire for Johnny Nansen, their new defensive coordinator. Um I think Mississippi State can cover nine. I think they can probably also cover ten. I don't think Arizona's defense is gonna be quite there against what should be a really, really good offense. Um but I think Arizona like I, I think this should be a really high scoring affair too. It's only 62. Yeah. But like I, that I think is that number could be in danger. I think Arizona's, I think Arizona's going to like Mississippi state might get close to 40. Arizona should probably get, you know, near 30. I gosh, that 10 of the hook, right? So it opened nine and I was like going to take Arizona, but 10 and a half. Now we're starting up. I'm going to take Mississippi state. I think that, I think that Leach is going to just do what he does with Arizona every time which is just like, you know, you put him in his little fish tank and feed it whenever he darn well pleases. And I just think the coaching staff at Mississippi State is going to figure out some things to to make things more challenging. Like the the worry is Nance, the defensive coordinator for Arizona. Like, yeah, I just feel like I feel like Leach and his team are going to spin him around like a top. Um, I mean, Arizona's got some decent corners. I don't think that they have. I don't think that they're going to be able to cover what Leach has got going to Mississippi state, like four deep. Yeah. Give me the cat or uh, g- you know, give me the bulldogs. I, I just 10 and a half is a lot. Nine was awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, like on the road, I mean, it is your, to your point, like it's going to, this is going to be kicking off at uh, 10 o'clock PM Mississippi state time. Cause it's going to kick off at 11 PM on the East coast. Yeah. That's a late game. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this one always, this, this one feels like one of those weird ones though. Right. Like, how many times, like, where some Pac-12 team with a new coach like just beat somebody at home? <laughs> They're not supposed to. I'm not. I'm not believing in that. Like, I'm going to take Mississippi State here. Yeah, I'm not betting it though. Like, that's. I guess that's, which is a testament to Arizona, where like normally, 
Like, oh, that's it. Oh, no, I mean, like, if if if, if, if like, this was last year's Arizona squad, and it would probably be something around like a 24, 25 point spread. Like, I would actually just full on like bet the house on Mississippi State to hit that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, all right, let, let's move on to TCU against Colorado. TCU 38, Colorado 17. For me, this was a tale of two halves because I, yes. I like, and because I was, I, and I, I didn't bet this game. I was, I was trying to get that last hook. I wanted 14 and a half. It got bet up to 14 and then it just, it went back down. And I'm glad I didn't. But it reminded me about Carl Durrell because I've seen this a couple times where the Colorado team comes out in the first half and then just a complete lack of of awareness and adjustments are made at halftime. And like the, the game that this reminds me of is when Colorado is up by like 28 or something like against UCLA. And then UCLA still covered a 13 point spread in the second half. Like that happened here. Colorado hung with TCU in the first half. It didn't convert on a goal line stand. They gave up a special teams touchdown and I'm like, okay, I'm like feeling myself, right? Because like I kind of want to went out on a limb here, and I thought, okay, like 14 and a half, 13 and a half, that's a lot. And, and, and Colorado, I mean, had outgained them, yeah, right. I yep. mean, like it was, it, it didn't look. I mean, like TCU looked completely discombobulated, and Colorado looked mildly competent at times, especially when Shroud came in. Yeah, yeah. By the way, big controversy now, right? Is it Lewis or Shroud? I think. It'd be interesting to see what Darrell says about that because they kind of came back and forth in the game, which is weird. Um, yeah. Which is a problem for me because I just I don't trust either of those quarterbacks. So like if Shrout couldn't beat out Lewis and then we saw what Lewis did, I'm like I don't know about Shrout. But then the second <laughs> the second half happened and that was a problem. Like TCU overall ran for 275 yards on the ground, and I think the thing that was sad for me was there was at no point in that second half where I for a moment thought that Colorado was going to cover the spread or even, or even win. Like there's just, I had no hope at all. And that might be it for like, right. Like my, my, I kind of hung my hat on, okay, it's the first game of the year. Um, They're going to have a game plan. They're at altitude and they're playing a new coaching staff and they still lost by 21 points. (laughs) Like, yeah, that might be it for this Colorado team. I think. And then they got to play air force. What, What did you think about this game? Yeah, I mean, there's some real problems. I mean, like the, the to your point. I mean, like when it started getting out of hand in the second half, right? The 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 body language is bad for Colorado, and they just, I mean, like man, TCU ran all over them. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I mean, put up and and almost all of the damage you see was in the second half, right? Like so, it, and look, uh, Air Force is not coming in with a brand new offensive coordinator and like going to start a different quarterback and all that. Like they got the same OC, they got the same QB. They know exactly what they're doing. One of the best group of five quarterbacks on offenses you're going to see. Gosh, I just, I mean, this line opened at 15. It's already up to 17 and this is on CBS, man. (laughs) Lord almighty. (laughs) This is three, they're getting the three 30 on CBS treatment. Um, It's on the road. You know, like Air Force is going to be amped for this game against an in-state rival. Yeah, I don't. I mean, look, I mean, Air Force, like, here's, God, here's where this game's at. Air Force is favorite. Like, some of this is Air Force is going to slow it down. Like, they're a high-efficiency offense. But Air Force is favored by 17. The total is 45 and a half. Yeah. I was going to like, say, that's like, brutal. Yep, yep. It's like, this smells to me like a 30 to 7 game or 30 to 10 
Or like, I have questions if because like maybe Shroud could throw on these guys. He's like Air Force isn't great defending the pass. But what I worry about is like I mean the, I, here's what I, actually here's the only thing, like the only thing I really worry about in this game is like Colorado backdooring. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But 17's a lot. I mean, so here's the thing: 17 is a lot for a service academy because they do slow it down, and you can't always trust their defense. <laughs> but like. Who's he throwing to? Like Daniel Arias? Like, I mean, I don't no, I mean, know. there's nobody that you're that excited about with that. You're just like Lamonius Craig. Like, I've heard that name a couple of years and just, I mean, I know he's still, I think he's a sophomore, but I don't know. Like that and like Shrout was throwing 500, right? Like he, he was 13 for 23. He was. It was pretty ugly at times. Like, I don't, like, I, I like, he looked better than Lewis, but that is a very low bar. <laughs> You know. I think the move and, the move and Lewis actually adds something in in the run game, too. I mean, like we're talking about, like, oh, they should definitely start Shroud. Like Shroud looks more lively, um, but none of the neither of them did a thing in the second half. Yeah, I'm wondering if the move is second half. You know, betting that second half and see what happens because I like I've seen this movie before where a Pac-12 team plays the service academy and just chop block after and i know they're like starting to cut cut back on these but like after the third quarter i mean if your team is is demoralized like it gives up and if this team gives has already given up on carl durrell the last thing you want to do is go to air force and just get cut blocked by these service academy guys um i'll 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 lay the points i i don't care i'll take air force and um and if if Colorado covers a spread, God bless them. But like, this is their weakness, and I just don't, you know. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ride with that. If you give up 275 to TCU, you are you're giving up 350 to Air Force. Yeah. So you, are you taking a Colorado? <laughs> I'm taking Air Force. There you go. Uh, I'm just like I just I I I'm I'm worried about Colorado throwing in the towel. Like if this gets ugly early. Like if they're stumbling around and they're they're if Colorado's not able to put up points early, like I, I expect Air Force to score nearly every possession. Let's go Cal. Let's do Cal here. Cal thirty four, UC Davis thirteen. <laughs> again, again, like I'm, I I I was I approached this game with a bias of throwing some darts because UC Davis made a game of this for a bit and Cal did give up. <laughs> too many, too many yards. Again, with that said, like I thought Davis legitimately had a chance to win this game, like straight up and they didn't. And Cal was able to cover and win. Um, and like Jay, not the, the running back, right? Like I didn't think to Carlos Brooks was the guy and looks like they got their guy in Ott. We saw Hunter and, and, uh, Jay Michael Sternovit who are like the, those four-star guys come in and get theirs. So th- there are some, positives here Plummer didn't throw the ball to the other team like seven times I but 400 yards of Davis man like that that's bad that's bad that is I mean Cal was a middle of the road power five defense last year which is not bad by Pac-12 standards but oh buddy (laughs) there are some problems I mean they gave up 5.4 per rush to UC Davis you know, like that hurts. I mean, and, 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 you know, like that's, that's probably your biggest problem here. Right. I mean, now they did give up a lot, like a, you know, big 60 yard run in there and that hurts, but yeah, I mean, it's not as if like, I mean, they were giving up 4.7 to the backup, you know? Um, and then Hastings 
was able to, I mean, look, he, a lot of those are high percentage completions, right? Like he's throwing, you know, like he went 32 of 50. He, you know, his average per attempt was 4.8. That's not great. Right. But they still got, I mean, there's a lot of yards, you know, like there's, there, there's, you know, they, they did do, they didn't do too badly and they threw two picks. I mean, that certainly hurt them. Um, but that's like, I mean, you see underneath the hood here, UC Davis almost put up the same amount of yards as Cal did. And it's not like a lot of this game was in garbage time, right? You know, like it was only at halftime, it was only 17 to seven. I'm just, I'm not like, this is one of those ones that like, if you just looked at the overall score, you'd be like, ah, like Cal did fine. You know, like not, it's not quite like the kind of performance that like, like you like, just look at the final score. You'd be like, yeah, like maybe some things went wrong for them. Like maybe they turned the ball over more than UC Davis did or something like that. Uh, right. And then you open up the box score and you're like, Oh, this did not go well at all. <laughs> and that's, that's probably my biggest watch out here is like, I just, I like the defense looks kind of leaky here. Um, and the offense did fine, but it's against an FCS school. And so like, I don't know that that answers our questions. Right. Yeah. Um, but, now they, oh, go ahead. they go ahead. get, who are they getting now? Is it Notre Dame? UNLV. Oh, they get a week off. UNLV. Oh, well, all right. That's, that's a tough. Yeah, that's, that's a tough matchup. It's it's weird because I want to take UNLV. Right? They're given they're given thirteen, and UNLV is significantly improved. Baderank had been all over that. You had been on it before the numbers really jumped on them. Um, I know Bud Elliott is is been hi- highlighting UNLV's improvement. Like yeah. UNLV is not a bottom feeder Mountain West team, but the Mountain West probably isn't going to be that good this year. And I've seen Cal just, just stomp on Nevada, right? Like remember what Carson Strong's coming into town and Jay Norvell and like Cal's like, nope. And and they were able to put up points against TCU. I think they have a quarterback that like, isn't going to light people up, but I mean, I can't like, how good is UNLV's defense? Cause I think Cal scores at least 30 points in this game. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, I think Cal's going to be able to put up points. Defense is really been the bugaboo for UNLV, you know, in, in last year. I mean, their offense has, has been able to take some steps forward, you know, and they gave up 21 to uh, Idaho State, which is a bad FCS. I mean, like, uh, there's a different, like, UC Davis is a, is a decent FCS team. Idaho State's a really bad FCS team. But Brumfield is is the guy to watch out for here. Um, he, he absolutely lit Idaho State up throwing the ball. <laughs> Um, but he's, he's, he's like, he, he can move, um, and UNLV can be dangerous running the ball when he does. My guess is they didn't show a lot. I mean, like, I think, I mean, 13, oh God, that's a good line. It's like annoyingly good. (laughs) (laughs) Cause Cal's going to score. Right. Uh, Like Cal's Cal's going to probably get to like 28 or 30, but 13 is like, you're holding UNLV to 17. Oh man, like I think UNLV can is has a better offense than UC Davis. <laughs> like that's what worries me. And this is like, I think UNLV can. I think UNLV can get like, I think UNLV can get to twenty one against Cal, aroundish, right? Like maybe it's twenty. Like so they, you know, let's say there's a couple field goals in there. Can Cal? Can Cal then get to like thirty five? I mean, that's that's where you're. Who, where's UNLV? Like, I gotta look. Hold on a second. Now I'm, now I'm curious because like UNLV's defense was pretty bad last year. But how bad? <laughs> <laughs> how 
How bad are we looking at? Oh, they were bad. One one oh four. See, they were eighty six last year. So like they were last year. Like they were funny because like they would like Vegas was a little bit behind on them, and they would have these lines that were clearly too big for a UNLV team that was improving down the stretch. Yeah, and it's, um, it's weird because we were more focused on can UNLV score, not can ULV stop anybody? Because the the spread was so high. So it's like, oh, can UNLV score 25 points? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than can UNLV yeah. stop a team from scoring 50. So like Bad Rank projecting it into this year only had it minus eight. I'm going to take UNLV. I'm going to roll the dice. Yeah. I I am too because I think, I think UNLV will be able to score on Cal and – if you're going to ask me on whether or not Cal can convert on a touchdown or two or, or get a, the field goal, I don't trust that offense enough to say, Oh yeah, they're, they're definitely, they can close things out. I think the over on this is interesting. Um, I don't know what it is, but I, I would just take, take a look at that. If it's low, if it's like 55, like absolutely take the over, but I bet you Vegas probably put it at like 57. I'm curious what, I'm curious what the, the over it's is. 50. Oh man! Oh, I, I'm all over that over, man. Let's let's go, let's go. That's the bet. Um, but because I think Cal's defense is maybe not as good as we would like. No, no, I I don't believe so. So, um, but but I will also take the point. So I'll take you on the UNLV. I'll take the over, and I think we have one more game here, Robin. It's actually the game we're going to go to. So <laughs> worried, worried here about <laughs> sweating, <laughs> sweating. Washington, well, oh, Washington State 24, Idaho 17, Rob. This was, uh, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but I, I'm sure you have some worries also. Yeah, I mean, this was not great. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, we talk about this, right? Like, the, it's important to sort of like, you know, try to try to put in context of like where a team was. Um, Idaho was a pretty bad FCS team last season. <laughs> yeah. and, um, so they come in. In no way should we be thinking like, oh, what's going like Idaho, like Washington State should have gone out and rolled them. Now, Washington State, Idaho jumped all over him, jumped out to a 10 nothing lead. But the, you know, underneath the hood, you know, it's a little concerning, right? Like, sure, Wazoo turned it over three times, but Idaho turned it over twice. Um, they gave up 272, 274 yards. But I think the biggest concern is like they only put up 358. Um, they only threw for 215. Um, now they did run for 143, uh, but they weren't. They didn't look. They just did not look great. I mean, Cam Ward, who like we talked about, like with Will um, Rogers from Mississippi State, he runs a more efficient version of the air raid. That you know, it is going to be close in. Um, you know, hitting a lot of short stuff, finding the checkdown but only averaging 5.4 per attempt against an FCS school and not a great one at that is really bad. Yeah. Well, one, um, one quick correction though, Rob. So Idaho or, uh, Oh no, no, you're right. The, the Cougs gave it up three times. They had three fumbles that they lost. And one yeah. of them was a soup. Cause I, my apologies. I was adding Idaho's two, two interceptions to uh, Washington state. My apologies. Go ahead. Yeah. So like, I, mean, like, I, I, I think defensively they did. Okay. Right. I mean, if you look at it, yeah. yeah, they only gave up 274. They only, I mean, this was not a, this did not appear to be a very fast paced game. <laughs> you know, um, neither of these teams like is rolling up yards, but the, I mean, like there, there's some definite concerns here, right? Like they, you know, Idaho wasn't able to run the ball at all against them, but they were able to throw the ball. 
um, and, and got 6.6 per, uh, you know, against it. Like, this is like, look, Wisconsin's offense is a big question mark <laughs> to put it. I mean, they played Illinois state and lit them up as they should. Right. But they started out with a hundred yard interception return, which is not great. I mean, that, that, I mean, but like they, I mean, Wisconsin like doubled the bump on yards, like put up a ton more points. Uh, Illinois state turned the ball over two times, but like the big question, right. Is like, what's, what are you going to get out of Mertz? I mean, so, and, and what's this offense going to look like? I just, I, I'm not sure. I mean, like the, I, I'm just not sure this Washington state offense. And the, this is the matchup we were excited about, right. was potentially seeing this Washington state offense. If they were good against a really good Wisconsin defense, Oh man, like it does not like this does not look like a fun matchup right now. This looks like a like Washington State could struggle to move the football. I think the more likely scenario is that Wisconsin covers and it's an under. But seventeen, it's up to seventeen. I know that was the but because there is a word like. But I, I also think that what we saw from Washington State, I just can't imagine. With, like they still have good wide receivers from everything I've heard about Cam Ward is that he's quite good. I just, I don't want to overreact to that. And I know it's bad. Like Idaho sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so I mean, that's a tough thing. It's like, yes, we should not like, I mean, teams are going to stub their toe. Teams are also going to round into form. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just tough to see someone rounding into form against Wisconsin on the road. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> like we will like brian and i will be there we will be jumping around you know <laughs> like, like it will be at 3 30 on fox this is getting national coverage like you know we'll be there like uh dressed and everyone will be in red so yeah i i think 18 it's up to 18 now oh my um, god that's a lot i'm gonna take the points i do think that the under is the play because I mean, if even if Ward plays super well, I just don't see a world where they're dropping twenty eight points on Wisconsin, right? But I also don't like Graham Mertz at all, and I think they're going to try to run the ball a lot, and you're just going to see that clock tick, 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 and like, I mean, it's 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 possible that Wisconsin just sits on the head of of Washington State the whole game, or in the second half, and they're like, oh, we're up by ten, like jokes on you, and then just try to run the ball. So I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take the points. I'm going to look at that under and see what we got once it's game time. But uh, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm, I I love Madison. I've been there once. I had a great time. I'm excited to go back. They got the Spotted Cow Brewery there. And uh, and let's go. Let's go. Uh, who are you taking? We got, a, we got a lot. To, I've, man, like 17 feels like a lot. I just, I think, I think, I just, I think Wazoo's going to have a couple turnovers. So I, I'm going to go with the Badgers at home. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's probably in retrospect. Like I said, this about the Colorado pick. Like I'm gonna look back at this and regret it, and I did. But um, I'm gonna try. It. I'm gonna try it on this one. That's it, Rob. We got we got every one, every last one. These are the long. These are the longest shows because like like when there's the, like when it's non-conference, like there's just no breaks. It's like I mean, our only break this week is that Sanford. We have one conference game. Yeah. Like <laughs> we only have we only have one more week of this. Thank God. Yeah. Yep, no buys, none of that stuff. Um, if you are going to the Washington State-Wisconsin game, hit us up. Uh, Rob, where can people find you on Twitter? 
Uh, at Beta Rank FB. Um, or you can find us at Pack 12. Uh, at, I'm sorry, at 12PAC Radio at 12 Pack Radio. Um, I'll also check, like, I haven't been checking our Gmail account. Uh, so I will do that before we go. Let us know if you're going. We'd love to meet up with you. Um, uh, shout out to our friend Ryan, who we're going to meet there. Uh, invite us to a couple of Washington State parties. So we're excited to join that. What if not, too? Like, hang out with us after the game because we will be somewhere watching football. Yes, absolutely. And. If you have recommendations on where to go, I sent Rob the best of Madison, but I just found, you know, randomly off the internet, who knows if it's actually good or not. So send us recommendations. If you, if there's a bar or food or like a cheat, like if there's a cheese place, I love cheese. I would love to go to a cheese place. Send it our way. We, <laughs> All the cheese. I will be, I will not miss any gym days because I'm going to, I'm not lactose intolerant and I may need to take some sort of lactate because I'm going to eat that much dairy. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I'm so like, excited. Give me, give me the ice cream. Give me the, give me the cheese. Give me all of it. Like they will need to, I'll need a wheelbarrow like to, uh, to not because I will be drinking, but because I will have that much cheese and ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I'm taking advantage of, of Rob's, uh, 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 cheese eating experiences. So like he might know better more than I do. You make, you make all those pizzas and whatnot. So I might just, I might, might just ride with you when you're picking out which ones to, to taste. So. <laughs> I, I, I'm the person that's, I'm like, I can, you can sell me on anything. That's like, you can take like any kind of cheese and you'd be like, Oh, we smoked this. And I'm like, I'm in like, what is like, like, like it could be like smoked craft. And I'd be like, yes, let's try that. Like smoked, smoked craft singles. Like, why not? <laughs> like, like any kind of fancy, like schmancy or like stuff that like, uh, God, like it's crazy. Like we're, you know, where I, like there's a, there's a really good cheese place at, if you've been to like, I, I was in with London for work and I ate an immense amount of cheese at tower market. Um, and they had this amazing cheese place, but I bought like anything that they're like, that I could barely understand the accent of the guy doing it. But I was like anything that was smoked, they're like, Oh, this is really stinky cheese. And we put some sort of like blackberry or blueberry in it. I'm like, I'll have that too. And <laughs> oh man, I'm so excited. Well, we will. We are excited about the the trip. Let us know if you're going. We will happy share to share our cheese with you, um, and and enjoy lots of games. So at Twelve Pack Radio, thanks Rob for coming on, and we'll catch everybody next week. <laughs>